Welcome to the MedTech Talent Lab, the number one catalyst for advancing careers and building high-performance teams. Sponsored by the Anthony Michael Group, helping companies secure in-demand talent in regulatory affairs, quality, clinical, engineering, R&D, and other areas for medical device, digital health, diagnostics, and other organizations across the U.S. life sciences sector. Here's your host, Mitch Robbins. How is everybody out there? Coming to you live, Mitch Robbins and Adam Sapi. Just about each and every week, I know we were off uh, last week, but just about each and every week we are here live on LinkedIn with the MedTech Talent Lab, uh, the podcast, the live version of this podcast where we talk about all things talent related, uh, whether that is building high performing teams or helping you enhance and or advance your own personal and professional uh, situation. If you're joining us for the first time, we are from the organization called the Anthony Michael Group where we help companies across the life sciences, primarily within the medical device, digital health and diagnostic space to build high-performing technical teams, areas like regulatory affairs, quality, engineering, R&D, manufacturing operations, basically take the cross-functional wheel, split it in half. We work on the technical side of the business. And we run a recorded version of this show, the MedTech Talent Lab, where I regularly interview leaders directly from the industry on all things, of course, talent related. Before we get into today's topic, Adam, welcome to the show. Appreciate you being here, man. Of course. We were just talking about how crazy it is these days with not only how busy our search practice is, but a great segue into today's topic, how crazy it is on the this side of the spectrum as far as Canada's having so many choices that it's almost creating so much stress as far as how do I decide what opportunities to pursue, but then how do I decide which offer to ultimately accept, knowing that I could potentially have two, three, four offers on my table. If you have any more than that, you're just interviewing. You're not whittling down where you're, you should be interviewing, right? You should yep. be a little bit more steadfast in the criteria you use to decide where you're going to interview in the first place, let alone get to the finish line with. But, you know, two or more offers, it's, it could be very stressful because obviously it was a company you chose to interview with for a reason, which means it's a company that possibly could represent you know, the right direction for you career-wise. And then ultimately, out of those choices, how do you make the best one? And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Yep. Before we get in, I'm going to um, bring up my, just based on the technology, I'm going to bring in the live on my phone so I can follow along with any comments or questions. Any uh, preliminary thoughts on that, Adam, before we kind no, of it's, in? I'm just laughing because I've had this conversation. It's, it seems like Groundhog Day for the last, you know, in the la especially in the last three weeks or so. Um, I just um conversation with a candidate on Friday and she was obviously overwhelmed with everything going on. And I, I remembered a, a study from college of all, you know, way back in the day, but it was it was about toothpaste. Hey, if we go to the grocery store and we see three types of toothpaste, we can figure out what's the best kind of toothpaste, buy it, and we're good to go. Throw it in the cart and we're on our way. If it's like 12 or 20 different kinds of toothpaste, we get overwhelmed. We don't buy any of the toothpaste. So it's like same thing with, you know, with these opportunities. It's it's flattering. It's like free agent in professional sports. Oh, 10 different companies want me. That's great. And then you're like, holy cow, 10 different companies want me. It's super overwhelming. Right. And I think it. This is gonna. I'm really excited about the show because it is a. Is it? A, it is important right now, especially folks in medtech. They really have, you know, as many opportunities at their fingertips as they want. For sure. So LinkedIn on my phone literally went pitch black. So I'm restarting the phone. But let's get. Let's dive right into it. You know, 
Guys, if you're getting value from this show or any of the previous shows, we really appreciate you chiming in either through a comment or using one of the social media, social love bit, uh, buttons, the like button, whatever you may have, because that helps spread this content to other peers and colleagues in the industry. And we're hoping to help as many folks as we can with their professional responsibilities as far as building high-performing teams and their personal responsibilities to their own professional development and their careers. And so what I thought we could do today, Adam, is really just kind of come up with a, an action plan for folks who are in this position now or are about to be in this position. I've got this up yep. on my phone now. As far as, okay, so I've got to the finish line. I've got these offers. Both of them seem great. You know, both of them ideally are going to pay roughly the same because it's a similar job. How do I make this decision? And we could just kind of walk, walk through a checklist that I have put together of the different elements that should go into consideration for you. Let's do we it. want to make this as logical as we can for you without negating the emotional element. I'm not saying to disregard your intuition. I'm saying this is for people who truly, they do not know how to make this decision because both or all three opportunities seem great. Yep. Okay. So what you want to do is you want to use something like a spreadsheet. And on first column, down the line, you want to have the criteria you're going to use to make the decision. Across the top, you're going to have the different offers, different companies, right? And then you're going to rank each of these criteria, one being the worst, five being the highest. And what you're hoping to do is put some logic behind your actual decision making so that when you add up these columns, who scores the highest? That should give you a realistic picture of how you're feeling logically. And then you can use your intuition to kind of, you know, See if, if it's in line. If it's not, then let's come back to the drawing board and figure out where we're missing. Are you truly being honest with yourself as far as how you're scoring these things, right? Okay, so the first one is culture. Now, I hate this word and we've talked about it. I just don't like it because it's just too much of a buzzword. What does that even mean? What I would just say to dumb it down is the people that you've met there, are you excited? Could you see yourselves working with them? Did you get a warm feeling from them? Did you get a I'm not so sure feeling? What's your take on on that piece as far as what you would say about culture? Yeah, we both cringe when we hear that word just because it is such a buzzword. I think the LAX study is a good one. Like, hey, if, you're, if your flight is stranded at LAX or pick an airport for three hours and you're sitting with the co-founder and two of your colleagues and one cross-functional person, would you... Would you be running for the exits, uh, you know, and taking the train home? Or, or are you like, cool, this is good. I, we're having some good conversations. I think that's telling that, you know, whatever, you know, uh, replicable, you know, scenario like that, you know, and, and gosh, it's, you know, three in the morning, if you have time change or it's seven in the morning, I'm logging on to my first Zoom, you know, Teams meeting or whatever it is. Do I dread this or, hey, what's going on, guys? I'm excited to hear how the weekend was or, you know, that's a big deal. We all work a lot and uh, we spend a lot of time virtually or, or in person with the folks that we work with. So that's a, a really important deal. You know, it's yeah. culture aside. Are you excited about the people that you're going to be working with and solving complex problems with? The next piece is something that I think is really important to bring up. And it's happening in med tech a lot, especially in regulatory affairs, which is one of the primary functional areas that we support from a recruitment standpoint. And that is premature promoting, premature yeah. promotions, both internally and externally. There's so much demand for regulatory talent. And we all know by now, you know, talent can have the pick of their litter right now. Companies are getting desperate and they're creating these almost like premature promotions of people who aren't ready for the promotion or inflated titles. Yeah. So a senior specialist all of a sudden is a director of regulatory at a company or, you know, a manager is now, you know, going to be, have this vice president title at a startup. I'm just I'm being a little bit extreme to illustrate the point. Not really, though. Yeah, we see that. Yeah, we've yeah. seen it pretty close. So 
what you have to ask yourself is number one, how is this going to affect me when it comes to, am I going to have the ultimate accountability in this position? If I am, am I ready for that? If it's my name on the line and my name on these submissions, am I ready for that? Yep. Number two is if I'm not ready for that, how is it going to look when I leave that next job and I go to interview and they say, wait a minute, you, you became director. What'd you do in that role? And are they going to see through the promoting the inflated title, right? Yep. And not be able to legitimize the fact that you have the skill set to warrant the type of title that you've been holding. Yep. The other thing to ask yourself, uh, so that's so that's one thing, careful on the leveling of position. Is this right based on my skill set for where I'm at today? The other thing you got to think about is mentorship. You could put this as a criteria. Who's going to be my mentor? What do I know about their background? What do I truly know about their track record? And should I be trusting this person with my livelihood of my own professional development? So when you're looking at both positions, who's going to be, in essence, not only my supervisor, but, you know, do I like them as a person? Great. But what about their professional track record and their ability to develop other people? What do I know about that and how do I rank that? Any comments on that before? I yeah, I do, actually. And, the, and I'm trying to I was doing the math in my head. This is literally came up three times or four times in the past. Let's call it 30 days where. So my before I get into that is the mentorship piece. Go a little bit deeper. Go go back a couple layers, too, because. Many times, hey, you're at this company for seven years. Why did you leave? Well, my old my old manager called me. She she went here and she recruited me out of there. And I love working with her. Okay, that makes sense. However, here's where the second part of it is. After seven months, she's gone for whatever reason. She's gone. Now I'm in a new place with no familiar faces. I joined solely to work with her and now she's not there anymore. So that now what? That's where the mentorship piece comes in. And, and you might feel like you're on an island now. Now it's like, holy cow, I got maybe pulled up to a, a level that, you know, I'm in out of my comfort zone, but I have my proven manager, my fearless leader supporting me. Well, sure, he's gone. Now I'm I'm on my own. This is a recipe for disaster and I'm out you know, even in my first year, which most people don't want to make a move within a year and they're forced to say, I know I've only been here seven months, but I, I got to get out of here. And that's a great segue is another piece of criteria is stability. A lot of people are yeah. like, hey, I want to work for a startup. I'm okay with the risks involved. Other people are like, I'm coming from a place right now where I've had three managers in the last six months. Yeah. I need some sort of foundational stability to where I can actually thrive. Right. Um, and so whatever that means to you, rank the stability. Right. You also want to look at the overarching tenure of the company. You're not going to get hired in, especially in medtech, without some sort of panel interview, right, where you get to meet cross-functional partners, whether it's peer-to-peer -peer or whether it's executives that lead these other functional areas that you're going to work with. What's the overarching tenure of the company? If it's yeah. everybody's out in 18 months, what is that? There's something there that you should dig into. I'm not saying yeah. there's, you know, that's not a reason to take a job or a reason not to take a job, but I'm saying, hey, it's probably an element of due diligence to do, right? Red flag to flush out. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The next piece is trajectory for your career. You know, let's just talk about regulatory. I'm comfortable talking about that as an example. Yep. Regulatory, the responsibilities are fairly similar from one company to another. You help get products onto the market. You help keep products on the market from a regulatory standpoint, right? The complexity and the differences as far as what types of submissions, who's involved with the submissions, what's the level of autonomy you have, what's the level of responsibility you have, all of that stuff is the dynamics at play, right? But to go from one regulatory job to another, what does that job represent as far as helping you get to where your ultimate longer-term goals are? 
does the, is that another notch in your tool belt, another notch in your professional development to help you get to where you ultimately want to be? And so any thoughts on that as far as how to either look at that or how to rank that? Yeah, and that's it's funny. There's dichotomy and almost in in all of these things. And and I've had two conversations today about you know one one gentleman that's been with the company for nine and a half years and one seven six and a half seven years. And so we we're looking at tenure as a positive thing. These two are looking at it almost as a negative. Like, hey, my management team is in place for me to move up. I've got to move to another company. I I'm locked in here, you know. And then especially with a flat flatter organization. So for trajectory, that's something to to make sure. Hey, ask about that during the interview process. What is the growth and development path? What what is the path forward for me? If I go in there and I kick butt for eighteen months or three years or whatever, what's next? And not yeah. to not and do it delicately. Where hey, I'm not trying to skip two levels and I'm going to overlap, overlook my senior RA specialist role. I'm going to go in and do a good job, but I just want to know that there's something for me if and when I, I succeed in this role. So you definitely want to have a clearly defined, my opinion, have a clearly defined path forward um, that you can say, hey, if I do X, Y, and Z, I can assume I'll have a good shot at being promoted to this role and expand breadth and depth of my, you know, uh, responsibility and then, you know, continue to, to go from there. Not only that, I mean, it's a good point, but not only that, but let's just say that it's not necessarily the upward mobility within the next role that you're taking, but more so, I shouldn't say more so, converse similarly, what about that experience that you're going to get over the next couple of years at that job? Is it going to help you for gotcha. your jobs too? Your job, you're right, you know, hey, can I grow with the next company or am I going to be stuck? Is my manager been there 25 years? So I know kind of what I'm getting into. Yeah. Or do they have a history of being able to promote? But then also the sign of a great leader is the ability to help develop something so that they do or they are able to either A, take their job or B, move on to higher levels of, of opportunity, right? Yeah. And so you just want to make sure what you're going to get exposed to from a project standpoint and a responsibility standpoint is going to continue to help set you up for where you ultimately want to be. Um, yeah. I misunderstood you a little bit. Yeah, you're exactly right. And then I would piggyback on that. And in our world, in regulatory, I would say technology is a big part of that too. Hey, if I'm jumping to an antiquated dinosaur dying technology for four years, now when I jump in and I want to get into digital health or SAMD, software as a medical device, they're going, well, no, that's a big leap. So make sure you're on top of that as well. Yeah. Or, you know, I really want more experience working on new product development submissions. Yes, this job really is a lot of sustaining work and it's heavy on the international and I've done international and of course they want me to hire me because that's my skill set, that's my expertise. Yeah. But how much of it is going to help you continue to stretch so that yep. you do get that exposure, right? Yep. The next criteria that I would use is flexibility. In today's COVID environment, many, 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 many jobs, unless it's absolutely critical to be on site, it's something to do with operations or manufacturing or whatever it may be, many jobs are offering remote flexibility in one way, shape, or form. However, what I've been hearing stories about that's already been happening the last few months is companies who set an expectation and then change the expectation once the person's on board. Yes, you'll have the opportunity to work in a remote environment, come in only as necessary. That translates into, actually, we need you here three days on site, two days at home. That wasn't the expectation before you signed on the dotted line, right? Yeah. So be super clear as to what is the flexibility that you're going to get. You know, if I'm working from home, do I have to let my boss know every step on Slack or whatever it may be that I got a dentist appointment or do I kind of work as independently as I want? And, you know, we kind of know what the accountability measures are that are in place. Do I have to be on site three days a week and two days at home? Am I OK with that? 
Yep. How does that compare to another job that's similar, but it requires five days a week on site? Am I open to that? Right? Yeah. And, and we're in uncharted territories, obviously. And we saw that, you know, July, August, all these companies are going back with the Delta variant. They pumped the brakes and, and they changed their timelines. So in fairness to the company, who knows what this you know, fall will look like. We might have another variant of COVID and, you know, might change things, but do your best to drill down on that and say, yeah, I guess you know, I get your sell to me now as everyone's working from home. Well, let's say post COVID, whenever that is, March 1st, April, you know, whatever it is where, hey, we're done with this. We're going back to, you know, business as usual. What does that scenario look like? And then play on that. Oh, it's everyone's expected to be here five days a week. Okay. Well, now I know and I can make my own decision. Not here's what I'm being told today, but then you know, post-COVID, things change significantly. So flush that out. Try to find out where, where you're moving towards, not what the working scenario is today. And try to be as honest as you can about what you really want. You don't say I'm open to coming up there, you know, as necessary if you're really not. And you're just hoping, yeah. oh, you know, they probably won't ask me because we'll get used to working remotely. Be honest of what you are willing to do and will not willing to do. And also don't be afraid to say what your ideal situation is. So yeah. A lot of flexibility happening with organizations who are vying for your talent. Don't be afraid to ask questions and also be honest as far as your ideal setup. Especially if you have school age kids. I just had a conversation with a with a gal yesterday and we were doing that like to the minute. Okay, so your commute would be 42 minutes within Boston, Cambridge. So if you left at this time, could you get back for school, you know, our 13 year old daughter? So like plan that out, you know, re really figure that piece out, you know, in terms of. Uh, what the commute would be, what the commute will be. You know, if you're in the Bay Area and you're like, yeah, it's not too bad right now. Well, let's assume all the cars are back on the road April 1st. Then what does your commute look like? What does schooling look, you know, look like and stuff like that? And, and, and then, you know, like you said, really, and be honest with them. Here's my dream scenario. You might not get there, but you might have a happy medium where, you know, that's the hybrid flexibility piece that you're talking about. Win-win yep. for everybody. The next criteria that I would use is scope of responsibility. How does the scope of responsibility, and I would almost throw in there slash visibility, okay. what's important to you and what does it represent? So whether you're an executive, you know, are you reporting to another executive? Are you reporting right to the CEO? If you're a senior specialist, does your name get put on the submissions or is it your manager's name? Right. Uh, if you're a manager, you know, are you truly a manager of people or are you managing projects? What is the scope of responsibility compared to what your desire is at this stage of your career? And how does it compare to the other position you're vying for, right? A principal specialist and a project manager, are they truly the same responsibility? Is it truly the same uh, autonomy? Is it truly the same visibility, right? What is the scope yeah. of responsibility? And when you're ranking these, you're thinking against what your aspirations are for your career. And again, this all kind of domino effect, how does it line up with what you ultimately want to do? And does it help you get one step closer to doing that? Right. Outside of the spreadsheet. So let me let me first recap the spreadsheet. If you're just joining us today and trying to fight off a cold for a whole week of doing a pretty good job, but <laughs> not, all, <laughs> not all the way. If you're just joining us now or you're listening to this back, Mitch Robbins, Adam Soppy from a company called the Anthony Microgroup. We're here each just about each and every Wednesday at 11 o'clock Pacific, 2 o'clock Eastern with the MedTech Talent Lab Live Edition talking about all things talent related. Our day jobs, we've been headhunters. For years and years, I've been 13 years. Adam is, I think, in his eighth year now. We're here to help build high-performing technical teams for life sciences companies, regulatory, quality engineering, et cetera, helping candidates each and every week as well, make good decisions for your own career advancement and enhancement. Today, we're talking about how do you take the stress out of choosing between multiple offers and how can we make it as logical or methodical as we can while not negating your intuition? 
And what we've discussed today is utilizing a spreadsheet and then ranking these pieces of criteria on a scale of one to five, one being the worst, five being the highest. We've talked about the importance of importance or non-importance of stability, yep. uh, the people that you're going to work with, the support that you're going to get from a mentorship standpoint and their tracker for developing people at your level, the leveling of the position. Is it in an inflated title? Is it the right leveling for your skill set? Is it the right type of title to help you continue to move your career forward? based on what's going to be, you know, the next position. We've talked about, is the responsibility good for the trajectory of your career and your ultimate aspirations? Is it going to line you up for the next position? Is there mobility internally at the prospective company for future promotions? We've talked about the type of flexibility you're going to be afforded and the scope of responsibility. One thing I want to talk about with you, Adam, outside of this spreadsheet is the use of outside trusted opinions. Yeah. We're working on a scenario right now where the current VP had mentored and groomed another executive years ago. That executive had worked with one of the candidates that's in process right now at a different company. And he was able to provide perspective for both the candidate, what it's going to be like to work for that boss, as well as for the boss, what it's going to be like to work, you know, have this candidate on her team, yep. his or her team. And uh, don't, you know, forget to call on people who may know that company, may have worked at that company, may have led people at that company for their opinion. Yep. Anything you want to say about trusted opinions and examples or things that you've seen work in the past? Yeah, because they're they're likely going to do professional references for you as a candidate, as they should, as we recommend organizations doing. You should be doing the same thing. You know, you, you maybe you'll glance over Glassdoor and some other things, but go on LinkedIn, find out you've got 14 mutual connections and you find, you know, you do the spider web and you find out, wow, six of them worked for this leader or yep. have worked for this company. Ask them. They'll yep. be very forthcoming, I, I believe, in most cases of of sharing the good and the bad and the ugly. And, you know, factor that in too. you know, take that, be detached and and use that as as one data point, you know, and, and uh, like you said, try to be as take subjectivity out as best as you can. And that's probably easier for folks in regulatory and engineers that, you know, they would have the spreadsheets. Versus people like us were like, now, ah, you know, or more like, you know, uh, sales minded where uh, it would be a little bit more gut feel. But absolutely. Yeah. Reach out to people that, you know, are, are going to say, yes, this manager demands a lot. They're looking for this, this and this. Here's the best way to communicate with them. There's the best way to get along with them. And if you do a good job, they're going to have your back. Great. There's two uh, things or, that you hey, said. I, I love yeah. that. What you just said is two things. One, don't forget the power of LinkedIn as far as how you're connected to people. Yep. Right. You may not. Right realize off the top of your head, oh, the guy that was my boss four years ago actually worked for my new perspective boss. Yes. So use LinkedIn of who are you yeah. connected to and reach out and be proactive. You also mentioned like, hey, they're going to do references on you. You might as well do references on them. Absolutely. I don't think many candidates look at it that way. Like, yeah, look, you should be doing references if you can on the company you're going to work for that you're entrusting your professional livelihood into this business and these people. Yep. And then you also mentioned I just had a brain cramp. There was one other piece you mentioned about, I think those were the two things as far as the way you described the references and then utilizing LinkedIn to try and be diligent. And, as far and as I how would say, yeah. And, and so that's how to find out people, the right people. And then find out what you're, what's important to you. You know, yeah. what, what do you want from a leader? What do you want from a company from the, you know, we talked about culture. Don't ask, Hey, is that company have a good culture? That's too broad. Hey, do they value autonomy? Is there growth and development? I value being recognized if that's, you know, a thing to you. What does the merit increase look like? You know, th things like that. What is your, you know, bonus? You know, historically, what, what do you do and bonuses? Get granular, ask specific questions and you'll get really good answers back. The thing that I think we can wrap up the conversation with here is 
One of the other obstacles that I think some people are facing right now because the market is moving so fast is that they decide to dip their toes in the water and have an exploratory conversation. The exploratory conversation leads to a panel interview. And lo and behold, before you know it, hey, the company wants to make you an offer. You're like, whoa, whoa. Like, I haven't even thought, like, is this the right company? Or I just thought I was having conversations. And and so before you know it, a company that you actually really like wants to hire you. And some thoughts that you may be thinking is, man, like, have I even vetted the market enough? How do I know this is the right company? I just started my interview process. And we have been talking about this a lot lately. It's like very similar to a realtor who takes his clients out. The first house they see meets the majority of the criteria. And the realtor's like, look, if you really want to go see more houses this weekend, we can. I can't guarantee you that this house is not going to be under contract by the time we circle back. If you feel like it's got the majority of the criteria, you could envision yourself living here. My recommendation is go for it and not look back. I think, Adam, you would second me on this. That's our advice right now with businesses. You can interview until you're blue in the face. If you find a company that meets the majority of these, you know, objective criteria, pull the trigger and be happy. Exactly. And then, uh, yeah, exactly. I was thinking that too, you know, one way to avoid all the chaos and and, uh, anxiety of facing, let's say, four offers is not to have four offers, like yeah. like shut them down early enough or, or pre-vet them and, and be thorough up front to go, yeah, I can't see myself joining this organization. So tactfully without burning bridges, because especially in MedTech, it's a small world. Hey, I'm going to withdraw my candidacy professionally. I would love to stay in touch, you know, whatever, whatever however you want to do that. But don't get to the finish line. And to your point, sometimes they're throwing a curveball at you. You're like, oh, I'm ready for this third interview. And all of a sudden the third interview goes well. And they're like, hey, here's your offer letter. And you're like, whoa, I did not know we were there. You know, somebody proposing to you after two dates or something like that. And you're like, whoa, I, you know, I like you. I didn't know we were, I didn't know we were there yet. So yeah, exactly right. And and be diligent and treat every, every conversation with the weight of, hey, this could change my life yeah. personally and professionally and, and, yep. and go into it like that. And, and if you can't, if you can't get excited about the interview and the conversations, especially with as busy as you are, just close the door now. That would be my sense rather than, hey, let's see what the market is like. I, all my colleagues are telling me how crazy it is out there. I should interview with seven companies just for the sake of it. I don't, I, I think that's poor advice. You've got some really good nuggets today. You know, a good recruiter like Adam should be on top of what is the process and where are we at in the stages. If you're not working with a recruiter, don't be afraid to ask them, hey, you know, if this goes well, what would be the next step in the process? Or yep. after this stage, what happens next? So yeah. that you can kind of manage your expectations congruently with what the company's expectations are. And you're not a caught off guard where all of a sudden they want to hire you and you weren't ready. Exactly right. Yep. Cool. Well, I think this was uh, probably a good uh, stopping point for today. Guys, we hope that you found this of value either live or a listening back to the recorded version. We are going to be back next Wednesday for sure. Uh, 11 o'clock Pacific, 2 o'clock Eastern. If all things uh, go according to plan, we should have a special guest for you that we'll announce uh, a little bit later, but we should have a special guest directly from the medtech industry who is making pretty significant ways in the software as a service space uh, as it relates to medtech. So Adam, thanks for being here, man. And you bet. Uh, looking forward to next week's show. You bet. Enjoy, uh, enjoy your uh, afternoon, everyone that's watching this back. Uh, have a great week. Thanks for listening to the MedTech Talent Lab podcast. For more content-rich episodes, log on to theanthonymichaelgroup.com or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform.